You're listening to At Home and Abroad here on Irish Radio Canada, and a year in the life of two passionate and inspirational teachers is the uh, in the only primary age boarding school in Ireland, Hetford's School, which is uh, outside of Kells and County Meath, uh, in that neck of the woods. And it is a documentary about these two teachers who are coming to the end of their career and it chronicles what would be, I guess, a year in school life. So we're seeing two teachers at the end of their career dealing with children who are starting out their life. And it is directed by Nessa Nikinon and David Rain. And uh, Nessa, originally from County Gildare, um, has a home in County Donegal and has resided in County Westmeath for, I suppose, the last year or so while the movie was in production. Nessa Tafalcharoth. So, um, first of all, the it is a documentary, and mm-hmm. I guess that was the first thing when I and I sat down and started to watch it. It took me a few minutes to get my head around. I'm watching a documentary. Um, so, the concept of this documentary, where did it come from? Well, I mean, are you talking about the style? Because it's an observational film, and, but it plays like a narrative because there are no voiceovers and there, there, um, there are no interviews. And, so they're, it, and, they're all, and they're all real people. And they're all real people. I mean, it's, it, it's basically we spent two years um, in a school, uh, a boarding school, and uh, we had an office in the school. So we got a great access to sort of the life there. And we really got to know our characters and uh, got to, you know, follow them through a year in the life of the school. In our first year, we were really researching and, and uh, trying to raise funds for the project. And then the second year, we used the material to, to form the film that you see as, as school life. Um, how did it come about? It came about, we were living in the northwest of Donegal and it was just, it was just, uh, it was 2012 and education was being hit very badly. Uh, resource teachers were being pulled out of schools. The numbers in the classrooms were getting bigger and bigger. And our children were attending a small little village school, but there were three classes in one classroom, you know, so there were 30 kids, one teacher. And it just, it just became impossible really and we felt we wanted uh, to find a more diverse education for our children so we started a search of uh, schools locally in the area first and went to a few educate together schools and then we cast the net a little bit wider and we looked at some of the Steiner schools down in County Clare and by this stage we'd kind of decided we're going to move wherever we find the perfect school for our children we're going to move and then we came across Hedford on a website and it was the headmaster's letter that first attracted us to the school because in his letter explaining what the school was about it focused on the happiness of the child and we felt this was a really really good starting point so so David and I went to visit um, the headmaster. We went to see the school. Uh, we really liked what we saw. We liked what he said about the education there. And we decided to move down as a family to allow our children to attend as day pupils because it was primarily a boarding school. And then during the course of our conversations with the headmaster, he was aware of our previous films and he asked us, would we be interested in making a film about the school? So, of course, we jumped at it at this chance because both David and I had been to boarding schools and we had quite different experiences. Mine was mine was quite a positive experience. But then I was a little older when I went. I was 11 
And uh, and David, his parents were living in Nigeria at the time and the Biafran War broke out. And for safety reasons, as well as education reasons, they sent him to boarding school in the UK. But he was only seven. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a traumatic um, experience for him. So we were both really curious as to what the 21st century boarding school looked like and how things had changed. And without, in a, a, I suppose, in a few words, you were probably left breathless when you saw how things had changed. Oh, I mean, it completely changed. I mean, David wouldn't even sort of entertain the idea of of our children going to boarding school in secondary school. And it completely changed his point of view. Um, I mean, it was it, we found the magical world. We met the Ladens, and really, I don't think I've ever come across, you know, two adults that have, you know, that are so devoted to children, and uh, and 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 to preserving a childhood, like a quite a magical childhood. Uh, we were we were really we we just fell in love with with John and Amanda Layden. They were they are the two teachers who've been teaching in the school for at the time of filming they were there forty six years, and um, John was coming he he celebrated his seventieth birthday the year we filmed and Amanda was sixty nine, and uh, I'm happy to say they are still teaching in the school two years on. Right. Now, you mentioned it was magical, and I must say I came away from watching the movie seeing that this was an environment that was highly unusual, that you mm. had John and Amanda and everybody else taking mm. a, an holistic approach to education. Mm. And, mm. and as you say, what seemed to be coming across very strongly, what was more important was the emotional well-being of the pupils and mm. how the, they interacted and developed with their peers, etc. Um, yeah. I didn't even know this school existed in Ireland, and I didn't know there was such a thing. And mm. the other thing that struck me was the size of the classes and mm. how powerful all that was. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned that like over a two-year period you were there with the cameras. At some point, I would imagine early on, the cameras were intrusive and you were intrusive and after a period of time then things must have settled down where you became part of the furniture and people carried on ignoring you effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we knew, we knew like the way we film, like we, we, we try and get like very, we, we try and join the circle of whatever it is we're filming and we try not to be sort of removed from it. We try to become part of it. And we knew that, it was essential that, you know, we weren't a distraction to the children's um, school day. So that's why we asked the headmaster if we could have an office in the school so that we went to the office every single day, whether we were going to film or not. So people became very, very used to us being around the school and accepted us as part of the daily routine, especially the children. With the teachers, it took a little bit longer. And John and Amanda, the the focus of our documentary, um, they they had no interest in us as filmmakers. In fact, I think they thought the whole idea of making a film was was ridiculous and uh so it did take us a little while for them to get to know us and um and then once they understood that we weren't you know that we were really there for the long haul that we really wanted to understand what the essence of the school was and we were going to put in the time to capture it then they they opened the door and they let us in and they were incredibly generous with their time and 
you know, there was never a bad day to film with them. Their classroom door was always open and we were always welcome back to their house, which is also on the estate. Mm-hmm. So, Nessa, it must have been necessary then, was it, to get permission from the parents of the children? Yeah, no, we did. I mean, the, well, from 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 the beginning, the the board and the headmaster were were very supportive of the film. Um, and really, it was Dermot who who helped us get um, consent from the parents. Um, I think they, you know, and once it was explained to them what we were doing, I mean, all the parents pretty much consented, and I think it was because. They knew well. They trusted Dermot first of all, the headmaster, but they also saw how happy their children were in the school and the transformative effect it had had on on their lives. So they really trusted that you know that it was it was a good place to be for their kids. So they didn't really have any reservations about us going in there to film. While I was at home recently, I noticed that uh, Ross Gray was mm-hmm. um, threatened um, yeah. bec- because of lack of um, student support funding and, and the rest of it. And there was an effort yeah. made to raise funds, and I understand it, it is surviving. Um, a yeah. private boarding school like this um, is, is drawing on a limited number of people because I'm sure the fees must be quite high. It mm-hmm. seemed to draw have uh, quite, I would imagine, draw from the diplomatic community, um, which also creates, I guess, an awareness among its students of the diversity that other students in schools around Ireland may not have the same exposure to. Uh, Were you aware of any of that type of an environment or how that was beneficial as you were putting the thing together? Yeah, well, in terms of in terms of the beneficial, uh, how it was beneficial to the children was, you know, about 35 percent of the children come from different countries. So, so there's a real diverse mix of children in the school, um, and and I think that's always a great thing. Um, I think what we noticed coming from for our kids coming from a, a small little homogenous rural school in, in in the northwest of Donegal, you know, being different was just normal in Hedford because all the kids were different. They all came from different types of backgrounds and from different cultures, and uh, so it was never an issue in the school you know difference was accepted and, and I found that really really striking and you you kind of see that in in this in the one of the we follow one of the children who's incredibly shy and, mm-hmm. and can't speak in public and I was really impressed by how the other children supported her and it wasn't an issue they accepted her on her terms and she was always part of the group even though she didn't speak for a very long time so um I think yeah difference is is always beneficial to children that they you know because there is no such thing as normal you know and and the earlier children uh understand that or, uh, or get to know that i think I, I i think it just makes for um sort of a more tolerant type of community and when you say that you you imagine that most of the kids from hedford are diplomats that's not entirely true it, it, there's quite a mix of children in the school um uh, yes, it is a private boarding school, and yes, they do they do struggle with fees. And unlike Ross Gray, they get absolutely no state support whatsoever. So all the school fees go into running that school, and you know they have a different teacher for every subject. They do ten subjects. So I mean, there's quite a large staff, and the the pupil teacher ratio is is very low. I think one of the the biggest classes would be sixteen, seventeen per class. Um, but um, 
sorry now I've lost my train of thought oh yeah but to say that there, there's a mix I know Dermot Dix the headmaster of the school like he would call himself a Marxist and I know that he he opens the doors as wide as he possibly can and he works very very hard to provide bursaries for families who can't afford the full fees and the year that we were filming there um he he gave a bursary to a, a family from the traveling community, the settled traveling community, to come with their three children in the school. Now we didn't follow that as part of the story because at that stage we realized that John and Amanda were the were the um, the teachers that we wanted to focus on, and that those children didn't really feature in in their lives. So, but I mean, it was really impressive how the school and the staff and the whole community embraced them and brought them into the school. Before focusing on John and Amanda, there was one issue that I, well, there were two issues that I noticed handled, interestingly. Um, the kids went out and they were playing in the woods and it was getting to where they were nearly developing into factions. And um, the, the school were pulled together and they were told very quickly, if this type of thing became rivalous, it would be shut down. And I thought that was fascinating how that was handled, how um, the headmaster addressed the assembly and in the mature way that it was handled. Mm. The other thing was that how um, John in class raised the issue of homosexuality and homosexual marriage uh, in in mm. Ireland. That was actually Dermot. That was actually Are, the headmaster. Yeah, the same sex marriage there, class. Yeah, 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 okay. So that that was raised. And... Mm. Um, how it was again handled in uh, an in an environment where um such a sensitive subject that not only would many steer clear of it but in an education environment particularly people would steer clear of anything like that mm. so it was mm. it was interesting that you know the ethos was encouraging mm. what i would say was very much critical thinking yeah yeah no you're right i mean dermot dermot would have taught in the um Dalton School in New York, which is known for its progressive um, education, and he would follow what 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 would be called like the way he teaches or the method he likes to use is, is sort of based on the Socratic method, where he teaches through debate and discussion, and the children learn from each other and from from each other's opinions, and they sort of come to a conclusion based on on, on the debate that they have in class. So. The same-sex marriage class was an example of that. You saw, you know, children with very diverse views, mm -hmm. and 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 you saw them discussing it with each other and and sort of you know sort of shifting their position by the end of the class. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with the forts. The, the children in the school they're given immense freedom, and you know, like I, the, you know, there's there's a statistic out there from UNICEF that 80% of children nowadays have not climbed a tree. Mm -hmm. And at Hedford, they have a woods where the children, that's what they do with their free games. They go in there, they climb trees, they build forts. And yes, sometimes war breaks out. <laughs> and, you know, but over the 48 years, you know, there's never been a child that's been harmed or hurt badly. I think there are more accidents in rugby now than there are in the, in the forts. But you're right. I mean, you know, there every so often when when the teachers feel that it's all getting a little bit out of control, they're reined in. They're told, OK, if this continues, we will stop the forts. And the kids love the forts. I mean, they love the freedom of, you know, building their dens and 
playing hide and seek and all of that. So, you know, they pay attention if if that's ever threatened. Now, let's talk about John and Amanda, because mm. very, very much, as you said, the, the film then circles around her, envelops them and they come mm. across. Uh, I, I, w- I walked away from the, the movie saying, yeah, I can understand how it is in loco parentis and how these um, mm. teachers, um, particularly John and Amanda, saw that their role was nurturing, loving, caring and mm. And how they interacted with each other and supported each other, um, mm-hmm. because it comes across. I, I take it they have had no children themselves. No, they do. They oh, do they have d- children. Okay. Yeah, they do have children. Sorry, they do have children, and but they're in their twenties and thirties. Right. And the, but the children they didn't they didn't go to Hedford. And when I asked John and Amanda why they didn't go to why they didn't send them to the school. It was because they didn't want to teach their own children. They didn't want to live because they live on the estate of the mm-hmm. school. So they didn't want their children to grow up on the, on, a, on the estate and also go to school there. They wanted them to have some sort of independence and have their own independent world. So they sent them to the local schools. Right. Um, but that was purely because, you know, they wanted to, they, they, they didn't think it was right that they would be completely enveloped in, in this world and have no kind of independent kind of place that they could go to, you know, independent of their parents. Right. So, um, but no, they do, they, but I mean, you're right, like John and Amanda, they see all those children as, as their own, you know, all the kids who pass through Hedford, they refer to them as one of their kids. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when we were doing our research for the film, we, we, we spoke to the alumni and we spoke to 50-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds. And all of them talked about John and Amanda. They were the names that kept coming up. So we knew that they were an important ingredient into telling the story of Hedford. And, um, and you know, they have, they've, they've you know, they've, they, they do leave their mark on these children. And there's a well-worn path to John and Amanda's house of, you know, alumni coming back to visit mm-hmm. them. And I found that astonishing. Like, I thought, like, God, this is just not normal. You know, like a 50-year-old coming back to have dinner with them or, you know, a 20-year-old coming back, you know, in their during their break from college to hang out with them. And, you know, some of them who get really get into the music scene, they come back and John helps them record their own first album. You know, like, right. I mean, the, you know, there's there's a real genuine bond. And that's what we felt we were seeing at Hedford was this sort of this surrogate family. So, Nessa, when the project came to completion and it came to showing it, I'm, I'm sure it must have been shown for the first time probably at Hedford. I would imagine. Yeah, well, not at Hedford. We we we, we hired we hired um, the uh, we hired the Navin Cinema, a right. cinema Nav- to show it to the parents and to the children, and to the staff. Um, of course, we showed it to John and Amanda first. They were the very first people to see it, and then Dermot saw it, and then you know parents like Eliza's parents saw it. You know the, the parents of the main characters. They were offered a chance to see it as well, and then we had a. Yeah, a private staff and crew and, you know, um, student uh, screening. And uh, and uh, at that, I am sure um, everybody came away from that feeling that this was very much a worthwhile project and feeling good about what, what was on the screen. 
Well, I think like well for us, let me because it it has travelled. You know, we did we did a, a small little sort of release around Ireland to, to you know to to about five different cities, and a lot of the alumni came to see it, and all of them said this captured the Headford that I went to, mm-hmm. and that and that for us meant everything. You know that 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 it was it was as relevant to the fifty year olds as it was to the current students. You know that what was in the film. So I thought that was that was that made us feel like we'd 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 done the right thing. Now that was in Ireland, and I know it has since mm-hmm. travelled around the world, and it has mm-hmm. been uh, well received, and mm-hmm. it has also got notice and awards. Um, mm-hmm. you, I'll ask you to kind of give us a flavour of how extensive and how far and wide you've now reached with the movie. Oh gosh, well, um, I mean, it's it's. It's uh I don't know maybe yeah it's it's gone to about you know ten ten different festivals now at this stage, um it premiere its world premiere was at Itfa in Amsterdam, and then it went from there to Sundance. At Sundance it was picked up by Magnolia Pictures, which means it's going to get um a cinema release in the U.S. It's going out on the eighth of September. It'll be released in fifteen cities to begin with, and then hopefully um they'll 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 expand that that um that reach depending on how it does um yes it has it has won awards we we just heard cuz we were, we've just come back from uh, cinema du real in um in switzerland and neon and we we just we were just told that we won the audience award and uh, so that was a big thrill and um and it's won some other awards in docville in belgium and uh, Belgrade and yeah so it's it, it is it's performing really well it's you know but it's you know it's it's a film that touches people and I think you know we've all had a childhood and I think we you know most of us that are lucky enough have had some kind of a special teacher that's kind of switched switched on the light switch for us somewhere along the line and uh, and I think that's what people see, because this is really a celebration of that. It's a celebration of like, you know, what can be achieved when you have dedicated, uh, committed teachers, you know, and um, and, you know, and I guess people like it's a funny film. And, you know, and and usually documentaries, you know, they deal with very, very important issues. And they're but they're usually they're, they're usually tough. You know, it's usually a tough, tough watching. And uh, and this film, this film, you know, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel optimistic about the future. So, so Nessa, you're at uh, Toronto. Yes. And of course, that connects the Irish and the Canadian side. So, yes. uh, Toronto um, on May first, uh, the Bell Lightbox Two on May third, Scotiabank Cinema, uh, May seventh, mm-hmm. uh, back at uh, TIFF, uh, the Bell Lighthouse. So. Getting to Toronto is always a major achievement, and it's a, a huge exposure forum to be exposed in. Um, oh, yeah, it's amazing for us to be to be selected for hot dogs. We, we've known about hot dogs for for like you know 15 years since I started making documentaries. We've always like 
aimed for hot docs. And it's just such a thrill for us to be able to come now with School Life and, and present it there. So we're really excited because we've never been to hot docs before. But we, we've heard amazing things about the festival. And we've heard like that the whole the whole city comes out and gets involved with the screening. So that's that's really exciting. So the website for the movie is www.schoollife.ie. And I see your Twitter handle is at School Life Film. And you're out there on Facebook as well. And it is School Life Film. Um, yeah. So I want to wish every success in Toronto. Thank you I, very much. I wish I would, was able to get there. But then again, you and I are going to cross each, uh, cross each other's path in the sky. Yeah. In, in the skies. In yeah. the sky. And... Nessa, I want to thank you for taking the time and chatting with us. And oh, an absolute pleasure, Austin. And yeah. um, as I said, the best of success. Thank you very much. Thank you.